This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season will bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together other like-minded organizations who are all focused on one thing, making disciples. Our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You'll be hearing in today's episode about the role of men in disciple making. This is related to a great book called Dedicated, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus, written by Jason Hauser, Bobby Harrington, and Chad Harrington. And it's a great resource for every church leader to get for all the young parents in their church. It's especially great as a resource to give out at baby dedications. Well, you can download the first chapter or two from this book for free at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Look for the book sampler for dedicated at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Today we're featuring an episode from the National Disciple Making Forum called Every Man is a Pastor, featuring Ronnie Goins. Let's get started. Let's say a word of prayer. God, thank you for this time. We thank you who you are. I thank you for the hearts of those that came, God, and and God, just to have a student's heart to not feel we know so much, there's nothing more we could learn. I pray that our time is fruitful, and I t- pray that we take something back to those who weren't able to attend um, to enrich their lives for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so um, you guys are here for the um, Every Man is a Pastor um, session. Now, what I want to do, I want to I I get into this material, do it really quick, and leave uh, plenty of time for questions at the end. And then if we finish in early enough, we can go get great seats for the closing session. Um, this concept, every man's a pastor, comes from, if I was to go around the room and ask you, what do you expect from your pastor? I can ask you that. I can ask the average Joe on the street. Like when you have, when you, if, if someone's going to be your pastor, man, brother, what would you expect from that guy that you would, you, you would consider calling a pastor? Most men could tell you. Throw some things at me what you think the average men want from their pastor. Like when a man is considering a pastor, what, what, what does a man look for in a pastor? Leader. Leadership. Leadership. Vision. Vision. Someone who feeds me the word. Someone who feeds me the word. Manly. You said manly? Manly, unless it's a woman. Um, character. character. There we go. Authentic. Authentic. I'm looking for something else here. What else? Integrity. Integrity. What else? Honest. Honest. A Christian, um, <laughs> that helps, right? <laughs> right. Now, now, now what, what might be a deal breaker? We have, we have seats up here, sir, all around here. What might be a deal breaker that if, if he starts out your pastor, what would make you reconsider? Give me a deal breaker. Not gospel focused. Not gospel focused? Dishonest in his work. Dishonest in his work. Not above reproach. Not above reproach. Ooh, you guys are getting tough. A bad husband. What's that? A bad husband. husband. Let's just stop right there before someone loses members, right? (laughs) You know what you'd expect from a pastor. But if the Bible teaches that, if if, if I can show you where every man is a pastor, let me ask you a question. What Christian discipled man should not reach, should not meet each and every one of the things you guys do out there? Which, which is something that every man should not aspire to, to attain and be described by? See, I am under the conviction that every man has a pastor in him. Here's my question. If you were a pastor, would you join your church? 
if you knowing you, how you know you, would you join your church? Or, or, or are there some things, and don't, don't speak out loud, but are there some things about you that make you say, you know what, I mean, I want to be a part of my church. And if that's the case, man of God, what if your kids and your wife feel the same way about your, your leadership, of how you would feel about someone's leadership that was your leader? I asked you about some deal breakers. You guys start throwing out deal breakers. If he did that, or if he did that, or if he did that, I'm out of there. That's not a church I want to be a part of. But what if your wife is saying the same thing of why she doesn't want to follow you? I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor's pastor. I do a lot of stuff. What I love to do the most is pastor, right? So I, I still do marriage counseling, all that good stuff. And it, and it blows my mind how many times when a, when a couple who are going through some issues, they, they, they come, they sit down in my office, and I ask what the problem is. And the husband, he says, well, she just won't submit. The Bible says submit. I said, well, you know there's no period behind submit, right? There's some other stuff. That... I said, so, sir, let me ask you a question. Is your wife a Christian? He said, well, yeah, she's a Christian. now. She ain't going to hell. I mean, yeah, she's a Christian. I said, so if she's a Christian then by default, she's already submitted to Jesus Christ, her Lord and Savior. He said, well, yeah, that's true. I said, so if she's already submitted to Christ, then she's able to submit. The question is, why hasn't she submitted to you? Could it be that the one that she has submitted to, she doesn't see in you? What if at the crux of why she doesn't submit is because I don't see the Christ that I submitted to in you. And so with our church, we did. We took seriously discipleship. We, 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 we took this concept of every man is a pastor to heart. And we said, you know what? Getting saved is the easy part. It takes no work to be saved. Outside of your initial confession of faith. We don't do anything else to save us. Jesus Christ did it all for salvation. But discipleship is different. Discipleship takes intentionality, dedication, commitment, intentionality. Take, I'm willing to submit to be a learner. Amen. And oftentimes as men, yo, you know, we, we, we kind of take our time before we even let another man teach us anything. <laughs> and so discipleship, so the first requirement of discipleship is a willingness to submit to be taught. I want to show you how in, in, in our church, in our context, our church, we started out, I think we were at about uh, 300 butts and seats or something like that. Um, we started um, discipling men in our church. And over the next 13 months, our church went from 300 to 1,200 in attendance and been growing ever since. And now... When I look out on a Sunday morning, any given Sunday, I walk in the door, I see a church. It looks like a men's conference. The men not just sitting around, but men serving men everywhere. And it's because what I've discovered, I didn't interview guys in prison and out of prison. I've, I've, I've interviewed um, um, soldiers. I've interviewed um, men who grew up in a father home or in fatherless home. They ask themselves, so what is it about Christianity that's sexy to men? What's attracting men to Christianity? And most men said this, especially men in prison. They say, well, you know, the thing about Christianity is it's too easy. Hmm. It's too easy. At least, at least the Muslim brothers down here, they, they have standards. 
even some of your, your right-wing liberal organizations, they have standards. And it appears that many don't understand that being a disciple man of Jesus Christ has standards. Because we always teach in grace, but we never teach the discipline behind being a man of God. And so, and so with this discipleship program, and you can, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, you can go to the, the website, um, um, ashmanmyhouse.cc, and all the, the materials there. For, for our curriculum is there, everything from the, the leadership manual, the, the discipleship handbook, um, the, um, um, the journal, all that's there. So you can get that there. I just want to kind of get into the crux of, this, of every man as a pastor to give you the ethos of it and then take some questions from you guys. Now, there's a lot I want to say, but I want to make sure I, do, I, I make this concise enough to take questions for you. So if I start talking really fast, just do this right here. Um, I'm from Louisiana, so I talk fast by nature. So if I start talking too fast, just do this right here. That means slow down. Um, who can tell me what's the Great Commission? Who can recite that for me? Can. Let's hear it. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all. You're a bad man, sir. You are, you, you are a bad man. <laughs> and everything in the Great Commission in the Greek is a present active indicative, means it is ongoing. So you don't do this once, but you keep on doing these things. Now, here's the deal. You said baptism, right? Which comes first in that, in that particular verse? Which comes first, the baptism or the discipleship? You said make disciples, but it's the main. It's the main. Baptism is the participle that support the main verb there in making disciples. But in the order of the verse, making disciples came first. And based on the context and construct of that particular verse, could one say that when, the, when Jesus gave the commandment, he never intended for a person to be baptized that was not discipled? We got it backwards. We just want to get saved and baptized, and maybe you get discipled. And could that be why there's revolving door in the church because people are getting baptized and saved without counting the cost? What discipleship does, it teaches you the cost, and now you say, you know what, I, no, I am, I've learned of him, now I'm ready to commit to him, not just fall in love with him, because we know that people in divorce court right now are still in love. Let me say it slow, instead of too fast. There are people in divorce court right now still in love, because it takes more than love for a lasting relationship. It takes commitment. See, sometimes when following the Lord, it can get lonely sometimes. It can be frustrating sometimes. Come on, talk to me. I mean, I mean, it, 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 following the Lord isn't always an easy thing, Peter. Being Jesus wasn't always easy, right? And so without discipleship, if all you have is emotions keeping you connected, you might be in trouble. And so, and so with this thing called discipleship, it's us teaching, teaching one another how to be trained, how to be committed, how to look like Christ on earth. Now, Paul's letter... I said, I said earlier about, the, um, about, um, about, about um, submission. Paul said something to his, in his letter to the Ephesians. What did he say that men are to do, husbands are to do concerning their wives? Hand. What, what, what did he say husbands do concerning their wives, sir? Love. To do what? Love. Love how? That's Christ's love the church. Okay, that's, that's Bible. What did Christ do for the church? He died, gave his life, right? Yeah. What did he, and he served. What did he do 
before he died that, that he may be expecting us to do for our wives as discipled men. What? He tied? He said he tied? Taught. He did say tied. You really are a pastor. Um, <laughs> yes. He said he tied. <laughs> I, love, I love you. Um, no. <laughs> no, no, he did say, he did say, but what did he do before he died? He poured his life into those men for three years. He did that, and what did he do after he poured his life for the, into the, for three years and before he died? Okay, 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 well, here's it, okay? He served in three years, he washed her feet, and he taught along the way. He did some here, and then he died. What did he do here? He prayed, did something else, and then he died. What did he do here? He gave instructions. Well, he gave instructions. Then he died. But he did something here. Suffered. Something. Watch this now. That's the one thing that many husbands aren't willing to do. If you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't know what suffering looks like. You see, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you may think it's all a bed of roses. But, but, but most men, before they get ready to check out and leave a marriage, the last thing they say is, I'm getting tired of this. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't have to put up with this. Or, I am not willing to suffer for you. And that's the one thing that God, that, that's, that's the, if we want to suffer, if we want to love her as Christ said to love her, we must understand that that may involve suffering. And suffering willingly is a beautiful thing. And maybe again, when it comes to our wives, I'm passionate about marriage. That's why I'm taking some time to talk about this. Um, because when a woman, when a wife does not feel that we're willing to suffer for her, it's hard for her to love us with no safety net. One of the things that make Christ so alluring towards us that he, he didn't just die, he, he suffered. He endured the cross. He took my place on the cross. And said, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, you learn how to suffer well. When, when I remember I was reading, I went, I went to Israel, and we, and, um, or to Rome rather, and they were showing us the Roman Colosseums. And they showed us way up in the top where the Christians would sometimes sit. They show us on this backside where the, where the, where the Roman um, Senate would sit in their, in, their, in their white garb as they watched the games. And they should bring Christians out and let them fight animals. And they sometimes give them a wood sword for sport. And, and of course, that's a losing battle. And throughout the stadium, you'd hear a shout of, Die well! Die well! Die well! Teaching a Christian that if our lot is to die well, to suffer well, then we should be just as, then we should embrace that the same way we do the promotions. The same way we do the good stuff, we should be able to embrace the death as well. And so, and as a Christian, if we've not first died to ourselves as a disciple, we're not going to suffer well. Now, I'm giving you a lot of information. I promise you this is going somewhere. But these are just nuggets that's taught to men as we are discipling. We live in a culture that 
the Christian, when he comes discipled, he's like the tightrope walker. The tightrope walker is marking every step. And the key to being a good tightrope walker is not just don't fall. It's like how to keep your balance as you fall. Every step is almost a failure, but you got to take another step. We want to teach men who are Christians how just because you stumble don't mean you jump off the rope. I want to talk to some men here. If you're in this class, you want to take some information back to the men in your context to teach them how to keep their balance. You have, a, you have at least two types of men that are going to your church. Anyone know Joshua 24, 15? Joshua 24, 15? If it seems evil, serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, Joshua stands up. Having been discipled by who? Moses. He stands up in front of all the assembly before they go into their promised place. And he says, if it seems evil you serve the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Now, Joshua said, I've been with you from, 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 from captivity to freedom, I'm to the wilderness, and now we're about to walk into our promised place. And Joshua said, so I know who's out there. There's a mixed multitude of people that left Egypt. Everybody that left out of Egypt were not believers in Yahweh. There are some that tag along for the ride. And I hate to tell you, but everyone in your church isn't saved. I hate to tell you, be the one to tell you, but most of them that are saved are not discipled. So Joshua says, here's the problem. Some of you are serving the gods that your forefathers served beyond the river. He said, some of you are serving the God of tradition. These are the men in your church who the reason they do what they do is because their daddy did it or didn't do it. The reason why they can't hug and kiss their son on the cheek because their daddy never did that, and that's it's kind of girly. The reason why they don't hold their wife's hand in public because they didn't see it. Any women in here? Good, listen. <laughs> I got talking code because this thing here is on. So here it is. Many men have been told that there's nothing. Ah, okay, okay, here it is. Many men have been told it's good to, it's, it's great to get married. Find yourself a good girl, settle down, have a few kids, and get a good job and all that good stuff, and you'll be a good husband. And if you take care of your family well, some of us have been told that it's okay to get your little woman on the side. As long as you take care of home, it's okay to keep some across. When you go out of town, it's, it's, that's okay. That's tradition. And you'd be shocked how many men, don't raise your hand, how many men have an uncle or someone who told them that that's cool to do. You don't got to say nothing. We're in church, right? Some, some, some men adopt a tradition that if a woman says something too slick, 
shake her up a little bit to get her back in line. Some, some men, we've been taught and we're teaching our, our, our boys that, you know, I just have a drink just to take the edge off. And now when our sons grow up to the same thing, to take the, when our sons start taking drinks to take the edge off, the only problem with them is they have no boundaries. So they, so they replace prayer with a drink to take the edge off. Disciples know how to pray instead of take a drink. And so Joshua says, but I know some of you, you're in a new place, but you have an old mindset. But you got, and see, and Joshua is making this spiritual. He says, the gods, in other words, Joshua saying, there's a spirit of where you came from. Now, I don't know where, y'all, where, where we're from, our countries, where you're raised, but I bet you a dollar to a dime. If you go back to where you was raised, good or bad, when you get there, you feel something different. There's a spirit surrounding where you came from. It may be good or it might be bad. But, but Joshua is saying, for you guys who have served those spirits where you came from, you're still worshiping them. He says, so serve the gods beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Who might the Amorites in the land that they're now dwelling be? I call it culture. He says, some of you, the problem is you're serving, these, you're serving the gods of where we arrived to. Joshua said, the problem is, the problem is, wherever you are, you become a chameleon of whatever spirit that you're exposed to. You're a great Christian until happy hour. <laughs> you, you, you're great until you go back to your, to, your, to your class reunion. You're great to get back around your old military buddies. He said, you, you change according to where you are. You're like a, you're like a, you're like a, a thermometer instead of a thermostat. You know what a thermometer does, right? It reflects the temperature. We can't be men that every time we go somewhere, we just blend in and look like where we are. Some of you never curse until you get around your coworkers that curse. You don't tell a dirty joke until you get around your coworkers that tell dirty jokes. But a, a thermos that has a way of impacting the room. See, there's some men here. You live your faith so loud you are such the disciple that when other men curse around you, they say, excuse me, because they know what you stand for. Oh, goodness gracious. Have you ever had anyone apologize for, for sinful behavior because you were standing there? That's called a man who's a thermostat. Then Joshua says, but hey, do whatever you want to do. You can serve the gods of your past. You can serve the gods of, of our surroundings. He said, but as for, and this is key. He said, as for me and my house, though, we will serve the Lord. Now, watch what Joshua does. Joshua, he says, here's what Joshua did not say. Joshua did not say, but as for me and my house, we are. Hold on one second. One second. Hey, baby, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to, to the people. Um, I'm thinking about us serving the Lord. Is that cool with you? I just, is it Okay. Okay. Well, babe, you know, I figure, you know, since Moses died now, one second. Moses dead now, you know, he was, I, I know, but yeah, yeah, but, but baby, if, if, but, but the, the serving old gods and present gods, I don't know what the, we, we have to make a decision. Like, like now, I, I, I already said now, I said choose today, so I got to make a decision. Okay. Thanks, dear. All right. Love you. Bye-bye. 
Okay, as I was saying, as for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord. No. Yeshua, he made a declaration on behalf of his whole household without a family meeting. I am convinced that this was not a men's conference Joshua was speaking at. I believe that all the people were there, women, men, and children. I believe, bad English, me thinks that Mrs. Joshua was right there too. I believe that Joshua made this statement in front of his wife, and because of how he lived at home, she backed him in public. I can always tell. All I want to tell, I know all I want to know about a man when I look at how his wife watches him when he's not watching her watch him. Say it slow. I, can, I know all I need to know about a man by how his wife looks at him when he doesn't see her looking. Your wife's eyes are your biggest snitches. <laughs> oh, they'll snitch on you. Have you, have, have, have a, a, next time, just watch. You're talking to a man, and he makes some type of statement right there. <laughs> One time, I was at a conference, and a pastor was preaching, and his pastor was standing up telling, telling the husbands about how to be um, 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 good stewards and people that keep a great budget. His wife literally said, <laughs> actually laughed. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's gonna be terrible when you get home. But 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 my point is, my, my point is, my point is again that 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 I think that if we do a better job with ministering and being leaders at home, it overflows to everything else that we do. Our homes has to be viewed as your church. You are a pastor of your home. You are the head of your home. You really, you know, does it mean that, that, that women are, are beneath us? No. But the Bible is clear of who God hold, is holding accountable, even for the administration of the word in your house. Because he said that we are to wash her with the word. But too many men don't know three scriptures by, by, by heart which is another thing in, in our discipleship process. Every man, you would, know, you would know 33 scriptures by heart. Just by heart, just by, because I believe the word alone can, can, can transform your life. Just by, just by absorbing the word, that alone can change your life. And so, and so what we do is, a, is this, this curriculum called Ask Me in My House. It's, a, uh, it's a, like a 14, 15-week process to whereas we, do you have those handouts, Charles, those, um, those that, um, go get those handouts, the ones that I had printed out. Do you have those? Grab it for me, please. Um, so what we do is, so we, we, we um, first of all, you got to be saved. Um, a guy, when he comes back, he's going he's gonna to pass out some. We have to. So um, if, you, if you are a Christian um, male in, 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 our, in our church, we have an interest meeting uh, of sorts. In this interest meeting, you're going to see in just a second, there are things that you sign off. That I, I commit to thee. This is my covenant for the next 15 weeks. I'm committing to these things. You'll see in just a second when we pass out to them. Pass, pass out to you. Then I do myself. We have, we have we're a pretty large church, but this is something I'm so passionate about. I always have a class going myself. And every week, 
Tuesday nights, we meet these men. We're going through this through a, through a curriculum. Um, we teach them our prayer, about service, about worship, about brotherhood. Who knows Psalms 133? Behold. Mm -hmm. It's the oil. It's the oil. Yes, sir. Behold, how what? How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in what? Unity is as precious as the oil, as my brother said. Right? Because, guys, and the beard. It flows down the beard. Even Aaron's beard that goes down the, whatever, you know it. Listen, because, listen, here is one of the best kept secrets in the kingdom. When men get together, on the same page, there are believers, man, I can't explain it, but something magic happens. When you get men, and it's some about accountability, that, that for me to know that, you know what, it's not about where I work. It's not about my accomplishments. It's not about my bank account. You're into me just for me. It's like you care about the me, because we're always performing and being graded as men. But to be around a group of brothers who are glad to see you because it's you, and not because you brought donuts. That's the beautiful thing. Hey, pa pass those out. Just pass, just pass them out to, to the guys. I want them to see, um, see, this, uh, see those requirements I was talking right there. Okay. Um, and I want to give you a tool. Um, these right here. Who, who all read and answered a question? Who all read some? You read something. You, you, you recited something. You recited a verse yeah, or something? No. Someone, no, you recited a verse. Yeah. You, someone said something else. Who said something else? Yeah. Man. Did you say something? No, 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 gotcha, okay. There you go, sir. Right. You said something too? What, what did you contribute to this conversation? I was the one that said suffering. Suffering, you're a good man. All right, all right. Okay, so now, now, now what this is, guys, what this is, is something that at the first of the year, because we want every man to be a pastor, what we do is we give the man something for him and his family. Because a lot of guys, you know, if you're not seminary trained, you say, well, pass my house, how do I do that? What we do is give you something that's rudimentary. This is a basic, basic journal book for every man to take his family through. If your kid can write and read, he's, he or she is old enough to go through his curriculum. And each day, it just walks you through something to do with your family. It's, it may take 12 minutes out of a day, but, but here's what it does. It allows your child and your wife to see you, how they look at their pastor on Sunday morning. There's something wrong with the picture, guys. I, I think it's, it's a sad indictment on the church when the only man that your son saw pray is the pastor. I, I, I think it's something wrong when your wife is willing to, your wife is willing to serve at the church if she's called to be up to midnight, but won't bring you a glass of Kool-Aid. Let me say it slow. The pastor can call to, for her to come up there at midnight. She's on the way to go, go up there and serve and help pass her out. But you said, baby, can I have some Kool-Aid? Get yourself. What's wrong with that picture? I, I, I believe that every family, every family, every child ought to, have, ought to see the dad as a source of wisdom, maturity, and strength, and someone that can give them biblical guidance when needed. But, but men of God, you have to be disciple. You just don't wake up with that. You have to submit yourself to, to, you have to, submit yourself to a discipleship process that you can be better than, than, than where you are. And that's where discipleship comes in at. So now what I want to do, I want to, uh, I want to pause because I've been, I've been talking a bunch. Um, 
Let me have, are there any questions you guys may have right now of anything that I've said thus far? Any questions thus far? Great. What about guys that say they're Christians, but don't actually like live it or are, are confused? You know, like, well, unfortunately, that's... Thank you. He said, what about guys that are Christians but don't live it? Right? Is, is, was that the question? Or say they are. They say they're Christians, but they don't act like Christians, right? Unfortunately, that's most people. Most people talk it, but don't walk it. And the Bible, but it doesn't mean that they're not Christians, though. Because I believe you can be a babe in Christ, or you may be a more mature Christian. You may, you, you may be a carnal Christian, right? But that's, that's what makes the discipleship process so necessary so we can get their mind renewed. That's a great question, and because a lot of guys, they know how to be a disciple on Sunday from about 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and after that, they ain't making no promises. <laughs> Next question. That's a good question. Good question. Was that your question as well? Or oh, you just tell me to repeat the question. Anyone else the question about men's ministry? Okay, so there are two phases. There's two different guys. That, there's two different levels of guys that will be discipled. One, you have the guy who he's saved, and need, not, now we have to be on the same page or something. Can you see, though, according to the Great Commission, how every Christian is expected to be discipled? Yes. Can you guys see that? Yes. Every Do you understand, though, that every Christian, though, is not discipled? Yes. The Holy Spirit saves us. But we have to put forth the initiative to become disciples ourselves. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And, and we can't disciple ourselves. Because if you disciple yourself, you will cheat for you. <laughs> who, listen now, who here, if you took a test, if you took the test, and this is a significant test, and you graded your own test, who's going to fail that test? Not me. Because I knew I meant for that one. I knew I meant for that one. <laughs> And so, and so to be discipled, it requires you to submit to a process. The disciples, disciples who follow Jesus, they had to submit to be discipled. And here's the deal, gentlemen. We've all been discipled by something. We've all been discipled by something. Whether it's good or bad, something has influenced you to be how you are. Discipleship, discipleship at its core is to submit ourselves to an, to an influencer, to model ourselves after a certain. There are guys right now, when they talk about sports and their, and their favorite athlete, you think they're on the field. <laughs> when, they talk, when they talk about their, their favorite team, they don't say the cowboy, they say we. <laughs> Us, did you? Yeah, man. And I saw a guy, no exaggeration, it was on a, uh, a, a Tuesday morning at the barbershop. His team played Monday night football. His favorite player got hurt. He walked in the barbershop limping. <laughs> I can't make this up. Tough night last night. What are you doing? Dude, you're not a... <laughs> I'm back. Um, certain things catch me off guard. Now, when you, when you, when you, when you look at these, at this, on this first page here, is a code of conduct. Now, how many of you 
you're in this class and you will be the one responsible for discipling men. You, you are the one responsible for discipling men. Okay, you be the one. Great. Okay. Now, this first page on the code of conduct, I don't have time to run through all of them, but you can take these with you. But look at that number one right there. Someone read number one for me. Someone read number one. You read her. You must trust that God has specifically chosen Pastor Ronnie Goings to disciple you at the stage of your life. Now, of course, I'm not going to be at your church, right? So you would insert the name of the discipler in that place. Here's the deal. No man will allow you to disciple him if he doesn't trust you. That means you have to be a man with a good name. Brothers, you can disqualify yourself from being able to be used by God in this capacity if you have a dirty name. So who's ever responsible, who's ever responsible for discipling the men, don't just choose anybody. Choose someone that men respects. If you're a pastor, we know they respect you because they join the church. If a man joins your church, he has to have a basic level of respect for you if he's attending church. Because if he doesn't respect you and join your church, he'll send his family, but he ain't coming. You do not, a man, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, I'm preaching right here. A man, most value asset is his time. And he's not going to waste his time with someone he doesn't feel can teach him anything. And so who's ever responsible for discipling men, it must be someone that men respect. Um, I want to read through, read down to number, look at Roman, under, under Roman numeral two, um, number 11. This is also, in order to be discipled, you must maintain status as an active member of our church. Now, um, I would recommend that you do not disciple men that, you, that, that don't attend your church. Here's why. You can't really hold them accountable to serve there, right? Um, if, if a person is a member of your church, then you say, okay, well, here's a member. Someone who, who attends church, they practice stewardship, they serve in the ministry, and they conduct themselves in a manner that matches the level of spiritual maturity. This is key. Because this process of how we do this aspect of it is kind of rigorous. Now, I can tell you that, that I, I scared the bejesus out of pastors all over the country with this particular process. Here's why. Because men could actually fail this. You're not guaranteed to finish this just because you start. This is not a little, a little like, like little small, God bless small groups. Those, those, those have their place. But oftentimes, small groups lack accountability. And, and I'm not talking about accountability of um, you didn't come tonight. I'm saying, hey, man, um, um, I saw you coming out of that place, and that's, not a, that's a place you agreed not to go to again. I'm talking about accountability. I'm talking you give a man the right to check you. And so this, this type program says I'm giving you the right to hold me accountable to where I profess that, that I am as a Christian. That makes sense what I'm saying? Now, the reason I'm saying it because for this type of program, if a man can fail, he does need to be a babe in Christ. Because if a babe in Christ fails too quickly, he may turn away from everything. So, there's, so, so I recommend this type of program for someone. As, if anybody is a leader in your church, they need to go through this type of program. It's more rigorous. Now, we have another process that we do for just Christians that you, know, you just got saved and you want. We call it our one-to-one discipleship. But our, but our, 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 our me My House curriculum, that, that program, this program, which you're going to see at that website right here, that involves, that, that involves some, some more rigor and some more commitment. Matter of fact, you have to have a job to be discipled. 
by week four. You have to be employed. Here's why. Here's why. Because I believe that one of the first things that God gave man was what? A job. Something to do. I think, I think it, it says something when a man can hold down a job. It says some basic things about that man if he can get up and go to work every morning. That makes sense what I'm saying? Or this man can start his own business and, and, and provide for his family. That, it takes a certain level of maturity just to do that. And so that's why that's one of the things that, as he read, is required to be a part of his class to be discipled. Um, real quick, right here is our evaluation form. That's something every man fills out to give us some background on him, kind of where he is. Uh, the profile sheet, they fill this out because this is how we match every man with, with, a, with, with, a, with a battle buddy, uh, a prayer partner, because we want to teach a man how to walk with another man, to develop that trust. Um, most guys, they, they, they start having best friends by age 16. By after age 16, we don't get like a best friend, best friend. By age, by age 30, no one gets new best friends. Facebook, IG, followers, that don't count. I mean like a friend, friend. And so we introduce men to their prayer partner who becomes their new best friend. Um, these are the supplies needed for a class right there. And, and we also, every week, men have a quiz. So this is something men have to study before, they have to study for before coming to class. And all this is doing is teaching men the discipline of picking up the word, of studying. And you got to make a 70 or above to, in, in order to pass the test. And you can, and you have three tests to not be successful on. At the fourth, you got to start the class over. Now, here's why that scares pastors. Well, one of my, one of my lead givers took that class, and uh, he, uh, he, uh, well, you know, um, you have extra credit or something like that. You give, a, I mean, serious, because this doesn't take into account your bank account. Or your profession. But it's, it's, it's constructed in such a way that anyone who applies themselves, they can pass this test. They can pass this quiz every week. And, and, it, and it teaches the men how to study amongst themselves. It's another level of accountability because we have to have study groups, okay? Um, and so here's an example of like session one. I kind of took this out of the, uh, there's a leadership manual that has all the quizzes and all that stuff in it. But this just got an example of kind of, you know, what we talk about um, session one. You see that right there. And that's the homework right there. So all that's there. And it's like the answers to the quiz and all that good stuff. And this and that what this has done for our for our particular house, we created a discipleship culture. Um, people. You can't be a deacon or a leader or nothing in our church unless you've been discipled. Now, we haven't left the girls out either. The women have the discipleship program as well that's geared towards women as well. But we started with the men. Because I believe if we can get the men back, we can take. Um, many of you guys have heard that, you know, that biggest problem in our society today is absentee fathers. I don't know about that. We all got a daddy somewhere, right? Unless you're an alien, right? <laughs> but, you know, I believe that the bigger issue is not absentee fathers. It's absentee husbands. You see, if I'm a husband, I can be that kid's dad. If, I'm a, if, if I've committed to a woman to be a good husband, and, 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 and if I'm doing a husband piece well... Inculcated in that is 
fatherly traits. I can be a father to peep to, to, to young men and girls who, who I'm not raising. And when and for me, for this guy, confession, the fourth grade, the fifth grade, I was young. I was sitting in church, and I started to notice that every Sunday this man is here with his wife and his two boys. And that just messed me up. I'm like, why is this man in church with his whole family every Sunday? Because where I grew up, most times men didn't come to church. And then, and then a friend of mine said, hey, man, you know what? I heard his wife doesn't even have to work. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard his wife doesn't work. My point is, for little boys who don't have the model at home, Sometimes we get it from church. You don't realize it. But there's some kids in your church. They're watching you. They're watching you. They're learning what, what it looks like to be a man. Just by your, You have the ministry of presence. And they're watching you. You, you, you don't see them. But you are part of their church experience because you're that guy who's always, you're that usher. You're that guy singing in the choir. You're that guy. You're, you're, you're deacon so-and-so. You're, 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 you're what's we call his dad. You see why we got to disciple these men now? You see why we have to teach men how to be godly husbands? And even if you're single, you should be husband material. Say it slow. <laughs> even if you're single, you should be husband material. Whatever it is that will disqualify you from being a good husband, is going outside the bounds of being a good disciple. That makes sense. Every good disciple is a great husband. Mm-hmm. I got time for a few questions. We got to get out of here. Floor is open. Yes, sir. What's the percentage of men in uh, your church? The percentage of men in our church, 55. The percentage of men. When you walk in our church, uh, let us say earlier, it looks like a men's conference. And these are, these are moving men. These are men who are actually doing stuff for our church. We... I, it's like I, I teach a men's, I preach at a men's conference every week from our men that are there. Love it. And it's, and it's, and it's ubiquitous as far as demographics are concerned. We have men, we, we have, the youngest guy disciple was 19. The most senior man disciple was 73 at Cornerstone. He said he'd been saved all his life and never been disciple. 73 years young. We now have um, um, the same curriculum is happening in, in Ghana. Um, and um, like nine, eight or nine churches in Ghana right now. Um, two years ago, when I was in Belize um, uh, doing this, doing this um, discipleship training, I didn't realize it, but a group of men I was discipling, the last day of class, a guy walks up to me, General Ortega. He was the lead of the Belizean army. And he said, You have changed my life. He said that all of my, that, well, matter of fact, I went back to see him last year, early this year, and he said that he's now requiring all of his, um, his, his officers, he's discipling them. There's an, um, guys, I can't explain it, but there's something inside of all of us that desires to be discipled. I mean, I'm, I mean, think about it. Wasn't there a point when you was going to church and you just think, man, you know what? There has to be more to it than this. Oh, God, Jesus. Say it slow. Can you remember a time when you went to church and you said, there has to be some more to it than this. 
And it just so happened you had you, you had enough get up and go and you to go find it. Most men just say, well, hell, I guess this, this is all there is to it. I've mastered that. Once a man has mastered something, he's done with it. But discipleship is always evolving. It's always, it's always a new challenge. It's, it's always fresh. It's always new. And if we're not discipling our men, I'm, brothers, if you're not discipling the men of your house, I'm telling you, in, in, in just a little bit, sooner or later, and I pray later than sooner, they're going out that door. Or, or you've made church so easy that they can worship our God, the God of their past, and the God of their culture at the same time. And that's even worse of, of, an, of an indictment. As a pastor who, who mentors pastors, most pastors have not been discipled. And when it comes to men, certain pastors don't do men. They do women a lot better than they do men. Because, because you know us, listen, the first time we went to church, when you went to visit your church, think about it. You did not go to your church the first time to get poured into and learn anything. As a man, you went to church to check this dude out. Hmm. Your wife went, it's going to be a great experience. The kids are going to love it. The wife went, she's all in. You're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> because we're just wired. We want to check this thing out. We want to check this dude out. And most, and most pastors, not most, some pastors are intimidated by looking another man in his eyes and say, listen, I love you. Well, I really do. This is weird, but. <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen you, you need to hear this from me. Because if you're going to be disciple makers, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to look in the eyes of a man that you did not raise and mean it and tell him that you love him. I cannot tell you what that does for a man to be affirmed by another man and say, I love you. And I believe. before Jesus started his public ministry. Now, this we're talking about God who has to keep the son a certain amount of weight. God who's answering prayers. God who's always busy doing all these things. We hear about Jesus getting back. Oh, be right back. My son is getting baptized. And he was there. This is my boy. Well pleased. Most men have never heard a man that they respect say, I love you. And that can change a man's life. And when you disciple him, at the end of that process, when you look into his eyes and say, Well done, you did good, he'll never forget it. You'll get letters and emails and inboxes from his parents, I mean, not from his parents, from his wife, from his kids. Thank you for what you did with their husband. Now, guys, I hope you don't have any more questions because we're just about out of time. Is 4.10 our, our, our kill time? Oh, great. We have nine, nine minutes. Any questions from your particular context of, of how to get this thing started, how to sustain it? How many weeks is this? Well, that is 12 weeks, but it's actually about 14. The reason I say it's 14 or to 15 because I want to give you some room 
to add your own thing in it. Because there may be some things that you may say, you know what, this is important as well. So I want to give you 15, just in case, of things that you want to add to it. But all we ask, though, the principles, keep the principles where they are, though. The, the 1 through 12, the, the principles are the same everywhere around the world. My vision and prayer to God that one day this thing is so big that we'd have to hold a conference at AT&T Stadium in Austin, Texas. We have men right now learning this stuff in different languages. Can you imagine different languages reciting the same principles in unison? Oh, my God. You talk about glory? Question. Uh, is it an expectation of people going through this to replicate it afterwards? Yes. Okay. Yes. So every man is a disciple. What he then becomes is a disciple maker. And his first deal is one-to-one discipleship. There's another. Steve McCoy. You guys don't know, know Steve McCoy? Steve McCoy has the one-to-one, the next discipleship program. We use that for our one-to-one discipleship. So once you do this, you now are responsible for one-to-one, maybe, maybe one-to-three discipleship. And after that, after you get your run-through of doing it, then we give you a class to do. Yeah, that just depends on the capacity of that particular leader. Yes, sir. Hmm? How big are the classes? Are I, the biggest class I've done has been 16, 17. The smallest class, about six or seven. I, I think anything north of that is that that, that could be hairy. Um, but the beauty of it, guys, is it's spelled out. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to do. You know exactly. And, and, and you're not keeping up with 17 guys, right? They'll keep up with each other. Each class has a class president, that type thing. But it's not as hairy as you think of that like, you have to be in all, the, in all these places at one time. It's not like that. And you'll see that in the, uh, in the uh, leadership manual. That's a good question. Great question. Well, the first thing, the very first time I've ever done this was after I finished preaching a message. And I looked out and I saw men who were saved but lost. After that message, I poured my heart out and I said, if you're willing to be disciple, meet me back here tomorrow night. And 28 guys came back the next night. And so... And it started from there. It starts with invitation, but the pastor must be all in. If it's not coming from the pulpit, they're not going to buy into it. So it, it just, just, let's throw it out there. Ask the question, who's here that believes that there's more to it than what you've experienced? And most guys, if they're honest, they're going to tell you. Yeah, I believe it's somebody. It's no more different than if someone tells you that they don't know Jesus. You can do, I bet you a dollar to a dime if you don't know Jesus. And I ask you the question, let me ask you this question then. So you don't know Jesus. Or do you feel complete and do you have joy? Seriously. Do you, or do you feel complete and do you have joy? See, I don't think no one can answer those questions in the affirmative if they're not saved. The reason I believe that, I believe God with every human being, no matter where you're from, race, creed, background, ethnicity, no matter where you're from, there's a void in your heart that only God can fulfill. Amen. And I believe that if, a man, if any Christian is not discipled, he has the same, he or she has the same void. Just is, is the invitation. Good question. Anyone else? The person that's going to lead it. Yes, sir. Do they go through something first to... Yes, okay. So... It has to start somewhere. So I would say a person with the gift of teaching, they look or they read the book and get familiar with the material. If they have the gift of teaching, it has to start there. If they've been disciple, if someone has mentored them before, they're a great candidate. 
So if anyone in your church wants to first, your first question, who discipled you? Who, 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 who poured into you? It starts there in the gift of teaching, and that's their guy. That's your guy. But then what, does he go through something before he yeah, it, it, leads? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the whole thing. So, so we do. Most guys, they would fly to Arlington for, to be a part of our conference to where I, I, I teach it directly to the leaders. But if that, if you don't do that, though, I'm think I'm, I'm confident that if you are a mature believer, and someone's poured to you before, you can you can lead this class. Yeah, you can lead this class. I do I do an annual orientation for this in October where people fly in for our discipleship conference. But if if that's if that's if you don't if you don't want to do that, if you're saved, been mentored, poured into before, you can do this. I mean, it's it's really not rocket science. You just gotta love men. You just got you know what I mean by loving men, right? You. Just, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't don't take that out of out of context. This is year eight, eight years, eight years, and I'm t- I love I fear and respect God too much to lie. Every single church that that have amalgamated this curriculum into the ministry, every single pastor has shared with me it changed their church, even strong churches. They were doing nothing. Listen, the men's choir, the men's pancake breakfast, the men's Sunday school class, that's not discipleship. I mean, th- th- that's not discipleship. And that's what I love about this, about this conference, discipleship.org. It moves us beyond just meeting and, and playing cards. It, it moves us beyond that to, to what discipleship is. And if a church is not, does not have a set streamline discipleship process. If you have not sold out for that, then your men are being cheated. <clears throat> Bottom line. Good, great, great thing. Good question. And my information is here. You can, you can always, you can, follow, you can call me anytime, guys. I Just tell me we, 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 we met in Nashville. I know no one else here, so I know it's you. Yes. Someone else? <laughs> I met you in Franklin. Oh, yeah, you want a guy from the class. What's up? Anyone else class? Anyone, any other questions? Any other questions? How are y'all feeling? Great. Good. Good. I mean, don't, don't lie to me, guys. Did you get something that you can take, can take back with you? Yes, Every head bowed back close. God, thank you for this time. I thank you for these men. I thank you for their, for their, for their intended, attentiveness, God, attentiveness, God. And God, now by way of your Holy Spirit, God, start to show each man his part in discipling others, Father. And God, you and all your omnipotence and all your omniscience, God, you were careful to choose who will be in this room. You know the things, God, we've told no one else. I pray that you burden us, God, that we will get about the business of disciple-making, God. And God, and we'll never know how many on that day would thank you for sending us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Love y'all, man. Thank y'all for your time. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to download the free sampler of the book dedicated about training your children to trust and follow Jesus. Go to discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for dedicated. Thanks for listening. Until next time.